Blog Talk Radio. Quarters. Security condition three. GQ. Security three, sir. General quarters three. Intruder alert. GQ three. Intruder alert. So don't tell me you can't get a good help these days. That's the best doorman I've ever hired. Hi, welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration. I am your host and cruise director, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jennifer Perry or Jen because I'm just happy to have you here. Let me start by thanking you once again for all the the rise in subscribers. My listeners' stats have spiked. Um, thank you. To those people, uh, to the people that have gone to Apple iTunes for the Madam Perry Salon page or to Stitcher or anywhere and put a review of the show, thank you very much. And if you're new here and listening live on Blog Talk Radio tonight, May 1st, uh, you can click that little pink button that says follow. I'd appreciate that. Or just follow wherever you follow and listen to your podcast. Um and I appreciate and I appreciate a review. And uh, so last weekend, you know, uh, a while back we had a captain, a bass player for Joan Jett, Celine Dion, uh, Blue Oyster Cult, and of course Utopia Todd Rundgren, and uh, also Paul Myers. And Paul Myers was on about a month ago, and he wrote a book called Wizard of True Story. And because he hung with the guys, got the story of all the produced during the years and then stories about you know things that happen around the uh, uh, studio and so forth or band life and anyway so last uh, Todd Rundgren is on tour it's like the part of the original Utopia uh, Willie Wilcox on drums uh, Chasm Sultan on bass new guy Gil Asayas I think he's a Swedish guy on keyboards and Todd Rundgren they were in Atlanta last weekend it's a dynamite show don't miss it if you get to see it uh, also last Huffman on a Joey Huffman's a keyboard player, and he was he plays with he's a side man for everybody. He started off he said when he ran away from home at fifteen, take the road with Wild, and he plays with uh, he was on Miranda Lambert's album. He's toured with her. He's uh, uh, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Izzy Stradlin. He's toured with Lou Reed, and he's getting ready to go back out on the road again with. Hank Williams Jr. And so what he suggested to me, because we got so many listeners on the show, he asked me what I thought about him doing some um, doing some uh, re- little shows from the road. Like maybe he'll call into the show once a week or so and tell us what's going on with Hank and the band and tell some stories and uh, <laughs> tell the band stories du-, du jour or of the week. And that would be fun. So anyway, but tonight, oh, listen, guys, thanks to you listening and subscribing and following me and supporting me. 
You help me continue to get the best and most fantastic guests ever. Yes, I'm talking about you, Mimi, and Dana, and I'm talking about you, Vinny, and you, Crystal, and you, James Breen, and everybody else that listens, and David Hurley, everybody else that listens and sends me messages. You all make it happen. If um, tonight's guest He's an award-winning author. He's an audio dramatist and podcaster. Uh, he's a podcaster re- responsible for uh, an audio horror series. I love radio plays and radio uh, serials. I listen to like the old film one, like Johnny Dollar and stuff like that, um, X-1 minus and all those things. Uh, but he's got one, uh, the horror series, H.G. World. And also the pulp superhero radio serial Hidden Harbor Mysteries, and uh, he's got very highly acclaimed books: a short story collection, Seven Till Sunrise, Gamer Geek Satire, Rise of the Monkey Lord, and uh, oh gosh, he's everywhere. But and we'll, I'll let him tell you all that. But there's a particular, particular book of his, and I'm trying to figure out exactly how to. Um, uh, go on, describe this. It seems that, um, and, and you know, I had a guy, a friend of mine on, Kevin Guilfoyle, who wrote a book called uh, Cast of Shadows that was about um, uh, a crime being solved by this police officer or investigator going into a virtual world to meet with people and, and solve this crime. It was a crime where uh, a doctor had substituted the DNA of the uh, mur- person he thought was the murderer of his daughter into a, a patient thinking, well, when this kid grows up, I'll know what the murderer looks like and I can go after him. And so very creepy book, Cast of Shadows. And um, so they went to Second Life. But, you know, it seems like with, with the modern world, it seems to be people are kind of challenging, the, uh, rejecting the challenges of the real world for an idealized digital utopia online. Well, you can kind of see why. Uh, but now virtual reality is expanding the allure of such an escape, and it renders such rich experiences that strive to realize the futuristic holodeck of Star Trek, if you will, while at the same time, online societies have begun to create their own organizations around political or social ideals, inspiring loyalty among total strangers, and inciting acts of both great generosity and even on the other end of the spectrum, terror. So isn't that hard to believe that secret societies dealing with cult behavior and human trafficking could come of our need to escape the real world and find something simple and pure and more inclusive. Well, my guest's book has a book called The Resurrection Pact. Very popular. Um, I haven't finished reading it, so I don't want anybody to spoil the ending for me. Uh, But it's a novel dealing with such a society and how far a group will go in a virtual life to conceal a crime committed in the real one. And how does this book parallel with recent arrests and indictments of members of the New York cult Nexium, and which, if you've been following this, there was even a 2020 uh, feature on it last weekend. It's a cult that uh, promoted power through obedience to allegedly peddle sex slaves across the country. So um, I'm just going to go ahead. I've got to bring this guy, this man in. He is fascinating. And so I just want you to welcome, it's not his first time in Madame Perry's salon. I hope it won't be his last to welcome author, creator, podcaster, I call him just a powerhouse of entertainment, Jay Smith. Jay, welcome back to Madam Perry's Salon. Hey, Madam Perry, how are you? Thanks for having me. I am 
I am delighted to have you back. Um, so, yeah, as it turns out, as we begin hearing about, now for, for many of us listening, and I hope you don't mind me leading with this, but for many of us listening to us, some of us didn't know about this, this Nexium group um, until we heard about Allison Mack being arrested. And yet, on the other hand, I didn't even know who Allison Mack was until I heard that, because I don't watch <laughs> a, a lot of television. So I thought, okay, I learned a couple of new things. Um, sure. But as I understand, now, you you do, do a little bit of investigating and exploration on online societies and groups, and and one thing I would have never thought of, the influence of the gaming um, in the world mm-hmm. and how pe- and people who escape the real world for the virtual. I guess I should have, you know, like my friend Travis Sivert that was in here. But um, this follow- the, the funny thing about this, though, and I heard this from somebody else before I heard it from you, the whole story of this Nexium group seems to have an eerie parallel to your novel, The Resurrection Pact. Yeah, I I saw some of these things while I was doing some research on on the book and concepts in the book. The the concept of Nexium kept coming up, but I kind of dismissed it because it was labeled as a, a kind of a marketing organization. And you know, in, in my research, I come across a lot of marketing and branding um, that it, a lot, there's very similar traits in in how how thoughts are guided and and uh, manipulated in a certain ways to. Uh, inspire brand loyalty or company loyalty. So I didn't think about it in terms of cult behavior, but I did see that Google mm-hmm. would, would ping on similar ideas. When I first heard about Allie Mack, and I, I, I'm a nerd, so I immediately know she's probably mm-hmm. from Smallville. And to hear that, that that sweet character on TV was allegedly trafficking human beings, I was like, wait, well, what, how, how did this happen? Um, so I looked into it, and then the more I learned about about um, about Keith Raniere, the more I was startled by the parallel between what he does and the antagonist of the Resurrection Pact, and how he takes what we what we want most, what we don't even know we need, and exploits that in a way to create a society that is really about him, but is is on the surface about finding that missing aspect of yourself and making yourself better. The, the ultimate self-help mm-hmm. guru, if you will. And so as I, I, I started watching these YouTube videos about his affirmations and all of the, his, his mannerisms and his tone of voice, his conversations with Allison Mack are on YouTube. And, and it's, it's almost like a late night infomercial. There's really nothing about it. That's uh, he's very spoken and he, uh, he he uses soft words and and oh, he uses terms of phrases that don't really mean anything, but they sound good. And that's and I thought, wow, that's, that's kind of how how uh, Alan Horace works in my book. And and the relationship basically, he is able to manipulate women into becoming loyal to him, granting him sexual favors, doing menial labor for him. It's an astonishing tale. And I have to say that all of these allegations are allegations; they have not been proven. Um, but just that the trail is very similar in many respects. So now, when was the Resurrection Pack published? It was. It came out about a year ago. Uh huh. So and when you began, none of those. Oh. I, I was, none ahead. of those direct connections have been made when it came out. 
so when you started seeing this, you know, seeing the parallels, um, I don't, did you see it first or did someone else mention it to you? And uh, Yeah, it, it was, it, I think the parallels came out as I was doing research for the sequel and, and then seeing the news story and then thinking, and then starting to look deeper in, into this particular situation and realizing the parallels. Wow. I've got to ask you the same way I ask you, my, if you've heard me talking about Kevin Gilfoyle and his book, Cast of Shadows, and then when you see, saw the difference, the parallel between that and Second Life, but this, his book came out, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. Um, yeah. I've got to ask, the, the, I know it's like a corny, obvious question, but how did you feel? What was your reaction? To, to Nexium? Or no, to see when, how was your reaction that there was a, a, a parallel between that oh, the character oh. in your book and and Kenneth Renier? It was creepy, but not surprising because <laughs> a lot of people um, that I've interviewed, I interviewed a, a number of people in Second Life and on other virtual platforms. Uh, I talked to people in um, who people who were involved in BDSM activities and. In, in similar groups where there's a very secret in, inner structure about and an organization that has uh, strict rules and, and, and a rank and file system. Uh, and it does not surprise me because what he's doing very similar, but far more malevolent allegedly than, than any typical organization has. I mean, you can, you can break his organization down and see elements of it in any group whether formal or informal. Mm-hmm. I used to work for Target Corporation. And Target, it has its own language. It, it has, it, you don't refer to customers as customers or guests. You don't have managers. You have team leads. And it's all about creating a culture that is unique to that group of people. The colors, the, yeah. the language is all there. And that's true of sports people or HR professionals, that they, they come together. And if, if I come home from work, for example, my main job is in human resources. I can start talking to my wife, and I will realize by two minutes in, I've used seven or eight terms that she has no idea what I'm talking about. But if I'm in a group of HR professionals, we all know what we're talking about. It's all shorthand. But if you put layer upon layer on that and you impose a motive, that's when it starts to get sinister. All of this is about directing your thoughts toward a common goal. And what I've found is – that um, you can have a, a positive goal. You can you can be a sports fan, and the collective experience is very positive. You go to church, and a lot of that energy is directed outward to the community. You get into a cult, and all of that energy is there's a an, an updraft of all of that energy to one singularity, and that's the leader. And that that doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me because that's happened throughout history. So when I when I heard about this, I mean, well, Keith Keith is just the latest in a allegedly, a series of, of many people who include Charles Manson and uh, the, the Heaven's Gate, Cole, Jim Jones, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, but let me stop and say, if you're listening to us live right now and we want to talk to uh, – I want to call in and talk with Jay Smith. The number is 626-716-9922. That's six. Uh, I'm sorry, 646, sorry, 646-716-9922. Blog Talk Radio assures me it's a toll-free call within the continental U.S., and we do have someone on the line. Welcome. 
received. Let me bring them in. Part that beaded curtain, if you would, please, Jay, and let this person in. Welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. I'm here with Jay Smith. How do you do? Doing very well. Thank you. Yourself? I'm doing glad. I'm great. I'm so glad to have a – we know that before you've been in here before. Find your cushion. You've got your own seat in here, don't you? Well, thank you. Don't go anywhere this time. Okay. <laughs> William R. That's okay. We always bring the machinery out when the uh, when the horror writers are here, like Jasper Bark. So you, nothing's going to snap down and trap you. Don't worry. I promise. Okay. Uh, that's great, Jay. Uh, I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear you're out. Uh, you're out uh, selling more of the uh, Resurrection Pack. It really is for anybody who hasn't re- read it. It really is a masterpiece. Oh, thank you. I did not pay him to say that. Thank. You. And will you tell the, Will you tell us who you are for the audience that doesn't know you? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, my name is William R. Her, and I am a sad. Uh, complimentary second to Jay Smith's uh, amazing uh, intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> Will Hur is an excellent fantasy author. Uh, he, he and I have had many, many years of, of um, contentious conversations on many subjects. He, he, I've, he's a, a long-term friend of mine. But I'll accept Well, I know that you were, you were a lively addition last time. Well, well, thank you very much. So we're happy, to, um, happy to have you back. I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that you're going to come in, you're going to sit down, and all of a sudden, it's be... but I promise you that won't really happen. Okay. Okay. No, that's that's perfectly <laughs> fine. I, I was just I was just joking with you, Madam Perry. I uh, have no, no desire to take over a uh, talk show. I did it long enough when I was in my youth on AM radio, and I don't want to go there again. I, I, I uh, my hats off to you to be able to do this. <clears throat> so tell me, since you were probably one of the first people, will to read the Resurrection Pack, I would imagine. Uh, I, I I would say that would be accurate. Would you say? <laughs> and is it also true? <laughs> Remember, you're under oath. Um, did, when did you start? Did you start noticing that there was a, uh, a similarity between um, things in the book, character in the book, and in uh, the Nexium? Well, that's why I call it a. Uh, that's why I call it a masterpiece because. Uh, if you really want to go back to the origins of the online, uh, if if you want to go back to the origins of online reality, uh, massively multiplayer uh, games, you have to start with something called a MUD, which was a text-based multi-user dungeon or multi-user domain, uh-huh. all of which looked exactly the same, and people would dive onto them and basically play through the exact same game over and over and over again with different people just for the social experience. It was a way for individuals who were otherwise closeted to really get interaction in a fantasy setting and they could be and do anything they want without repercussion. Uh, <clears throat> much like the resurrection pact. I don't think that I'm giving anything away there, Jay, am I? Um, no. Okay. That, that transitioned. I played a lot of MUDs back when they were uh, in their infancy. And then that transitioned to a uh, uh, through AOL and finally out of AOL to a game called Meridian 59, which was the first truly 3D online role-playing game. 
uh, massively multiplayer uh, game. I think they're the ones who uh, coined the phrase. And uh, that generated just this mass of individuals who were getting married online, who were having affairs online, who were doing everything in their life they ever wanted to do, but they couldn't because they had shame. They were doing it online uh, and uh, doing it relatively anonymously, doing it relatively anonymously. And my wife and I, uh, we, we, we got uh, embroiled in that. We got embroiled in that society, that area of society is a subset, if you will. And uh, it was really an eye-opening experience. And of course, after that, you had things like EverQuest and now World of Warcraft. And there are a plethora of others that you can dive into, including uh, Second Life. I believe uh, your book is based on Second Life. Is that correct, Chet? Well, it's a hybrid of Second Life and uh, Warcraft, where there's a, a heavy fantasy theme, but it's all free play, and people can mm-hmm. build their own kingdom so long as it it's, it's quote-unquote zoned to be in the theme of Alan Horace's string of fantasy novels. So right. uh, you can go in there, but you can, you can build your own estate or farm, but you could also go on quests like, like Warcraft. Right. And the depth of, uh, the, the, depth of, of uh, the Resurrection Pact isn't so much in its similarity, its eerie similarity to uh, current events, which really isn't all that eerie when you consider the fact that, I mean, this is what happens. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the, the physical side of things, the uh, human trafficking side of things, not so much. But this is the mindset of the individuals, uh, many of the individuals. I don't want to pigeonhole an entire, uh, an, an entire subset of the country or several countries. But this is what happens when you take a realm where anything is possible, where there is near unlimited uh, – what is it? Uh, uh, near unlimited uh, – ability and yet no repercussion i mean it's freedom without repercussions so why not do absolutely anything that you want to and mm-hmm. if you can get away with trafficking it into the uh into the here and now why not do it mm-hmm. and uh I, that 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 was what i found to be most brilliant about it. i think i said so on my review didn't i Jeff? i think so um and, that, yeah. and that's that's the lore of cults is uh when when Somebody gives you something that is missing from your life that fulfills you. It breeds loyalty. And if you're in a group of, of passionate people and your focus is on, on making each other whole, it's the experience that um, like in Nexium, some of the, the people involved reported saying they gave up on their family lives in order to go to these week long celebrations of their leader's birthday. Not because mm-hmm. the leader was there to bask in his glow, but because of all of these really amazing people who made their life complete. And in, in online, and similar my, my interviews with people online, consistently their views were, you know, I come here because I get here what I can't get out there. In some cases, they, they, they're physically or mentally disabled. Uh, in other cases, they're in a bad marriage. Uh, they just they work 18 hours a day. They have no social mm-hmm. life. Something about that world draws them in. And I'm not saying that Second Life is a cult, but if you introduce an element at the core of that world, say Neil Gaiman, who is, this fant- who is a fantastic uh, grandmaster fantasy author. He's also an electric speaker. He's got a wonderful personality. I, I've heard women swoon when he talks. Imagine if Neil turned his powers for evil and he started, his values started to um, attract people to do his bidding. 
And that's, that's where the cult element begins because then you're doing things for Neil and you're not doing them directly for Neil, but you're doing them for the, for the society that gives you back energy because you've done something for Neil. And then that way, that's Alan Horace in the center of the book. So you've got a lot of people who are going to this virtual world who are finding not only freedom to do something, <clears> but <throat> they're getting back the energy from the creator of that world. And they feel that this is not God, but this is somebody who has made them whole. Hmm. When, uh... <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's the reaction I often get when I lecture on this. <laughs> so... No, because you know, I, I, when I watched the 2020 um, this last weekend, and the woman was showing her her um, that had become, been in this for so long, so many years, and what is the other uh, Rainier has to be has to be referred to as Vanguard Salzman. I forget her first name. She's the prefect. Yeah. yeah. But when this woman was in the cult, she was talking about having a meeting where it was supposed to be just all the women together and. Uh, take off their little clothes, and they, she thinks it's just some kind of, I guess, just a girl thing, you know, getting naked, and and then they start to brand them, and they held them down, and uh, the the interviewer said, okay, well, you saw what was going on. What kept you from just running out the door, even though you were naked? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in the moment, um, they they feel that that is a tribute, and. You know, it, yeah. I, I, I know enough frat guys to know that you'll do something incredibly stupid just to prove that you're part <laughs> of that collective. And you know, they, they've snapped out of it and they realize this was, you know, self mutilation or this was mutilation and this was a violation of, of in the most intimate sense. <clears throat> but also, these, these women freely offered up what they call collateral to their leaders, like incriminating photographs of themselves, nude photos of themselves, uh, information, secrets that, that, you know, they were presenting this, hey, here's why you should trust me. I'm trusting you with these intimate secrets. And they were really being used if you left, that you ran the risk of having that information shared. But in the moment, it's to them, it's mm-hmm. that they have been conditioned to say, here, take this of me. I'm giving this to you out of trust. And then it's because they have been wrapped in this positive experience that they don't realize they're being pulled into something something like magnesium like or DOS, I guess. When you, were, when you were talking about, um, yeah, like people get involved looking for something they can't find, you know, th- things happen. You get busy, you work, and maybe if people are working a, several hours, working different shifts, taking the kids, you kind of have a disconnect, and here's a place you go, and you start connecting with folks online. But do you think it also adds a little extra glass? And you might have answered this when you mentioned gaming. But then also when there's a celebrity involved, you know, we can't get enough celebrities. God knows, I wish that I had a I had an app that kept the word Kardashian out of everything on my that I look at. But for other people, there are people who you know live their lives wanting to dress like these people and do what they say do and and talk uh, what they talk. Um, so do you think then maybe having a celebrity just kind of amped up there? Membership with Igor? I think in, in this case, and I, and I drew the parallel of Neil Gaiman, uh, he's, it would be more of a, a Kardashian kind of parallel because it's a cult of personality. Neil is, a, is brilliant, and I don't want to compare him in any way mm-hmm. to Kardashians, except in the fact that he is not, mm-hmm. he's not globally known, 
but he's known uh-huh. well enough that you generate esteem. In in the case of a cult leader, they don't want to be globally known unless you're you're like in, you're one of the elites. Um, it's it's enough that a no, that a group of intelligent and creative people realize that they've stumbled onto something brilliant, and that they're just enough of them to to be part of the secret group. And they don't they don't want him to. In, in a way, they don't want him to share his gospel with the world. They want to be part of something special. So I, I think to a degree of a degree of celebrity is there, but after a certain point, it becomes too transparent. You, I mean, if you had the Kardashians start a cult, there's just so much exposure on them that they there's no way that they could get beyond mm-hmm. the, the kind of the zombie stare of of their adoring fans. And fandom, as obsessive as it can be, is not a cult. A cult requires that you are detached from the people who, who – your support system and the people who love you and that you, you are, 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 are in a position where you are emotionally uh, uh, immersed in that group and that society and that group think. Whereas the Kardashians, they, they thrive only in sunlight. They do not exist when the camera is not on them. So I don't know. I, I think to a uh... yes, you're right. But – you know, after a certain point, you get diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Again, I see. Uh, yeah. But then Buddy Ebsen introduced Kevin to the world and his original Ponzi scheme. So perhaps that was perhaps I'm being too short-sighted. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. If, if you watch the 2020 special, part two introduces his first. It was a, a, <clears throat> an idea of people buying, um, buying appliances collectively and, uh, for, for discount prices, and uh, he was put out of business by a bunch of attorneys general. But his infomercial was introduced by Buddy Ebsen, who said, oh, you're brilliant. You're oh. a genius. And, so, yeah, thank, thanks, Buddy. Thanks for bringing well, to, to be fair, I mean, you can pay an actor. You can pay an actor to say absolutely anything, and uh, they can always say, "I didn't actually believe that it was in the script." I I, I agree with you, Will. I was being sarcastic. Yeah, but uh. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> there's just so many places. I just, I, I hardly know where to, where to go next. Um. About the the common traits in reporting about uh, Nexium and the world of help me get if I don't want to pronounce this incorrectly, Eternus. Mm-hmm. Eternus, yep. Okay. Because uh, I think, as I understand, one of the major themes of the Resurrection Pact, and I want to say that a lot, the Resurrection Pact. I want to get the name of your book out more. The Resurrection <laughs> Pact is getting uh, getting lost in a fictional story about how technology involves evolves um, from. I don't know. Somehow we went from checkers and, and parcheesi up to uh, World of Warcraft. I don't know, but uh, toward a fully immersive experience. So tell me, because I've I've never I've got a friend who does all these games. He keeps asking, well, have you ever played so-and-so? I'll say, no. He never asked me about I've ever done any games because I haven't. And he just says, well, have you ever played so-and-so? No, I haven't. Oh, so, <laughs> so what does fully immersive mean, and, and how does that tie into the idea, say, of uh, cults? And, and I suppose from there, loss of... Um, I'm, I'm 
pulling up a, a reference. Okay, there too. it is. I mean, I just want to make sure I got the the uh, the name right. But um, I read a book back in the '90s by an MIT scientist, Janet Murray, called Hamlet on the Holodeck. And of all places, I found it in a bargain bin. I found it as a remainder. Uh, somebody hadn't picked it up, and I, I picked it up. I devoured it. And the idea was that narrative storytelling has progressed since the Stone Age. That linear storytelling is is a passive activity. You sit down, you read the book from beginning to end, you watch the movie from beginning to end. And games have a, an abstract story woven into them. So these are two pastimes that have, have worked parallel for so many centuries but are now colliding uh, because as you look at new video games, story is more and more part of the experience to a point where, you know, you, we, I had the Atari 2600 growing up. Uh, so these, little, these big pixel monsters became, became characters, and we allowed ourselves the illusion that these blocks on our screen were part of a story and we were controlling that story. Fast forward to today, uh, you have Second Life and Warcraft and all of these immersive games where the what you see on the screen is photorealistic, and your acceptance of their reality is, is there, that you physically react to the environment that you're in, even though it's just a lot of pixels. But what your, cho- your choices are now making changes to the game, whereas before, you know, you shoot some ladders and life and Monopoly, you go around the track, you <clears> follow <throat> the rules. The game begins and plays and ends the same way. But there are now video games that even if you're not in a, uh, an environment like Warcraft, which is fluid and open, the game will change based on the, the, the story that you want to tell. Um, for example, The Walking Dead, which is very popular, there are some shoot 'em up games, but Telltale Games has produced three seasons of this fantastic uh, story that could be completely different at the end in your case, than somebody else. And it's, it's contained into a limited narrative. So it begins to tell the story in chapter one. You get to know the characters. It's, it's fully scripted. The characters talk to each other, and you have an opportunity to interact in one way or another with each character. And your interactions determine whether or not that character will support you an episode down the road or they'll abandon you. Um, you know, and your choice to, to, to sacrifice someone or to save them can, can mean that the game is completely different. So Janet Murray's idea is that eventually we will be able to step out onto a field or into a room, and the room will detect what we want to play, um, the genre, the, the story that you want it to hear, and it will cater to you. It will become a holodeck, essentially. And you're starting to see those uh, three-dimensional, four-dimensional, really. Those images starting to appear in VR and enhanced reality uh, in in rooms where uh, video monitors project three-dimensional images and holograms, and the technology is getting to the point where you can walk into a room and experience a video game all around you, which is, I think is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening live and want to talk with us here, I'm here with author Jay Smith and our friend, Will R. Hurl. Will R. Hurl. Did I get that correct, Will? It's William R. Hurl, but that's okay. All my friends William, call me William Will. R. Will, okay. <laughs> so, so. I don't mean to. I, I don't mean okay. to step all over Jay's. Uh, step all over Jay's interview here. I just called in because he invited us to come down and pimp our books. So. Oh, don't so worry about book, it, because you know I've, I've got. Hey, 
sweetie, I've got I've got a got a mute button. Don't worry about it. Uh, but you should come here. But you should you should come on here specifically to to, to pimp your books. Okay, I'd be happy to have you as a special guest. I I would be happy to come on as a guest. I've been my my books, and maybe by that time, there's a new movie in the works, and I'm uh, hoping to be able to talk about it sometime in the near future. So, really? Oh, good, 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 good. Hey, uh, that's Jay. Keep going with us now. I'm going with you. Where? Keep us rolling. Where? Where? Where did did we roll? I I got. I got. My point, Um, and I did have one, is to call in 646-716-9922, toll-free call in the continental U.S. Uh, We'd certainly like to have you call in and talk to Jay Smith. And um, call in now. Um, So where did did you leave off before I interrupted you with my rambling ramble? I I don't think you did. I think I finished my ramble and, and... Cued yours, and then we kind of segued into Will Hersville, and then came back here. So <laughs> we, we'll get a good jump point. William, okay, I, I, um, I'll just say that I enjoy, go ahead, get your way. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, please go ahead, because <laughs> I'm because okay. I'm putting this out on Twitter as we as we go along. I'm putting things on Twitter that we're talking about. So, oh, oh okay, all right. Well, I, I was, I'm really proud of the book and the series and the characters involved. Um, uh, as I was going along, I had a lot of uh, a, a lot of exposure to people who uh, really value these games as a way of getting through their lives. And the book mm-hmm. is, it, it, while it includes cult cult behavior, it's the negative aspect of gaming. And I don't want to imply that uh, the people that I met or all people who play these games are susceptible. Well, they might be susceptible, but are part of a cult. Uh, I talk mm-hmm. to people who there's an author and will correct me if I get this. Uh, John Gorman of Gore. Uh, I'm not John Norman, John Norman John of Norman. Gore. Yes. 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 Uh, a man who hated his mother. <laughs> Among other things, um, there's a presence on second life that I encounter. I don't know if it's still there if it's grown or if it's evaporated, but it's a group that's dedicated to the principles of the author and his world. And his world is, uh, has been criticized for being misogynistic, uh, perpetuating um, uh, patriarchal uh, uh, toxic masculinity uh, uh, attitudes where women are subservient or they're enslaved, but their slavery is masked in uh, considering them, Considering women uh, sacred or treating them with respect, and to do so is to make them subservient to you. Very similar to the the DOS in in Nexium. I might be misrepresenting Norman's views, but I, I, I think I, I can fairly say that the people online also probably misrepresent his views because they are virtual rapists and um, they they perpetuate a, a very dangerous stereotype. Uh, but this organization, this group of people, I wouldn't call it an organization, it's more of a, a social group. They have a pecking order. They've got rights and uh, traditions that they uphold. And it was very unnerving to be among them for, for more than a couple of days. And, and the interviews that I conducted with the, I, I say, people who 
assert that they were women, and I only spoke to them in character, um, admitted that they come into the world uh, in order to to be to feel as though they're part of something bigger. And the women have, whether they are really women or not, is irrelevant because they, they subscribe to this ideal that they can find fulfillment only by being enslaved or by being uh, uh, controlled by uh, someone else. And, and, and to a degree, that's, that's healthy, but in a society that says, you know, punishment, uh, punishment is not, there's no consent involved, there's no, um, there's, there's no free will, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. John Norman's yeah. John Norman's uh, Gore series was written mainly for a uh, for a readership of teenage boys, uh, and it popularized. I mean, I mean, I, I don't mean that facetious. I mean, really, it was meant for teenage yeah. boys. <laughs> and uh, his uh, the society of which he writes is a society where mankind is enslaved on an alternate earth uh, that's just on the other side of the sun, so you can never see it. Uh, but uh, the uh, mankind itself is enslaved to alien creatures, and the alien creatures keep mankind enslaved by perpetuating a society where only the strongest survive. And uh, because of this, because women uh, in Gore's, in uh, in John Norman's books, because women are naturally physically uh, less powerful than men, uh, easily overborn, they become supportive to men only, and uh, men fight over them. And only the most beautiful women uh, succeed in that manner, and only the most powerful men succeed in that manner. And so they, in Norman's view, they have a perfect society. And that's, that's what, how you want to look at it is how you want to look at it. I see it as a fiction and a pleasant fiction written by somebody who really, 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 really had bad body training. <laughs> as it's as it's applied in, in virtual worlds, uh, <clears throat> like most most philosophies or, or religions or ideas, they can be corrupted. And I think when it, it, you don't have to put a whole lot of effort into making making out of it what you want, and if that's simply to exploit the power aspects of that relationship, because <clears throat> I, I have a hard time believing that the the attraction on Second Life is. Uh, the storyline of gore. Uh, there, there's very little talk about the mythology or the story. It, there, I, I was first introduced to that by going to a slave auction. And the conversation that I had there with people was, uh, it was, it was disturbing. <laughs> and, um, but they, you know, they, they were very matter of fact about it. They, were, they weren't like mustache twirling villains. They were just very much of a, a, a collective mindset that, you know, Women are this, and this is how we treat them. And this, in this world, this is our law, and this is how we do things. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And, you know, there's, there's no consequence in the real world. It's when, you're saying you went I, to a slave auction. Yes, I went to a couple of different ones in different worlds where mm. characters would pros. Well, there's there's a culture okay. of digital prostitution in Second Life, and there's always been. Uh, it was a very lucrative thing when, when Second Life was, was more popular, but you would actually you could actually create a character and make money as a prostitute by collecting what's called mm-hmm. lindens in their currency from other users and then cashing it out, uh-huh. or using it in world to develop your your develop your empire. Um, and there are people who make make money as slaves too. 
and, or they just do it for fun. Mm-hmm. And there's animations and uh, tools and, and, and uh, just artifacts that have been built by users of Second Life and, and other games that, uh, that bind an avatar to another avatar, where your avatar basically does mm-hmm. whatever it's told. Um, it's not foolproof. I mean, you could obviously log out, but that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's a pa- part of that game. And there's, there's BDSM elements. There's, there's elements of consensual uh, activities which are different in, in my view, where I guess, I guess there is consent where you're playing the game. The question is, uh, when, where, is, where is consent implied and where is it explicit? I don't know. And a lot of people, I guess uh, the, the positive end of this was the people who are participating largely are consenting. Um, there are a number of, of women who came out as men and who, who do this to, be, to fuel the engine of gore or wherever world they're in. Uh, so it, it's interesting to see how, how virtual reality could bring out bring out our base or in, interests and instincts where there are no consequence. Mm-hmm. And when I and, and I'm sorry if I missed the point. The slave auction was on. What's that? I missed you. I attended a. Pardon? I uh, you cut out there. I'm sorry. I, I... Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> sir, can you hear me now? Yep. Okay. So, uh, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I went to a meeting uh, because the speaker was going to be, or their special guest was going to be uh, Dolores French, and who was a very well-known, uh, at the time, very well-known prostitute and uh, resident of Atlanta, and in fact, she headed up the uh, group uh, Coyote, Call Off Your Tired Old Ethics for Legalization, ended up marrying her ACLU lawyer, but she was there to sign her book, and uh, so I I wanted to meet her, you know, I'm I'm just, uh, I'm an armchair sociologist, well, no, I've been to college, so now I'm an armchair ethnographer, and so, uh, you know, I wanted to meet Dolores, and of course, I've seen her on TV a lot, I wanted to talk, you know, talk to her, so I got her book, and while I was there, I think it was, a, it, was a, um, it, it was a meeting, I cannot remember the name, or the type of group that was called itself, I wouldn't give away the name for anything, for the, cause, you know, for people's privacy, but it was, I think, a, a BDSM group, and... Mm-hmm. Somebody passed me, a guy there passed me a note, you know, saying that he wanted to be my slave. And then he spelled out something about your slave, you know, down the side of the page. And each uh, sentence started with the word, you know, uh, with that letter S-L-A-V-E and what he would do for me as my slave. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting that. And I thought, okay, how do I act? I don't want to, you know, I don't want somebody, I don't need a slave but at the same time, you know, I wanted to show respect because I was there on his turf, you know. I was yeah. in their meeting, so I wanted to be respectful and courteous. Then again, if I was courteous back, that wouldn't really help him. But uh, so when you mentioned that, I think, your know, second life, yeah, I guess everything. There, everything. Mm-hmm. There. Um, and... Um, William or her, pick up for me anywhere yes, you ma'am. like. I think I kind of lost my own thread there, if you don't mind. No, that that's okay. I think it's uh, a shock Jay. of realizing. Hey, William, it's, it's a shock of realizing I've just admitted here that I've been to a BDSM meeting. So I think that kind of, you know, threw my hmm. groove there. So please, 
Help me out. No, no, that, that, that's quite all right. Actually, that's uh, nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, I actually, uh, my, my, new, my new book, 530 Return, which will be on sale in August, not that I'm pimping it on your show, Jay, um, but uh, my new book, uh, 530 Return, actually touches on, uh, touches on the dangers when, well, it's about addiction and corruption and how the two feed off of each other, but it also touches on the dangers of introducing drugs, uh, recreational drug use into the BDSM community. Um, but uh, <clears throat> beyond this, uh, uh, slavery slavery exists. I mean, I'm, we, we just have to mm-hmm. accept slavery exists. Yep. There are some mm-hmm. people who want that relationship. And who are we to say, no, you cannot have that relationship if they want to be enslaved or if they want to be slave owners? Okay. But as long as it is consensual, as long as somebody is not being ripped out and uh, placed uh, placed in under the control of someone without their con- consent, there, there is a subset of uh, society which desperately wants to be controlled, and we see that every day. Now, the thing is, is that there is also uh, non-consensual slavery, uh, BDSM that becomes all too real. And to see that, you need to go no further than Oman or now Libya. Libya is now a site of, well, of one of the two large uh, slave auction sites in the United States. I'm sorry, in the world. And, uh, I mean... <laughs> Up until the up until the moment that up until the moment that slavery was eradicated, well, well, was illegalized, I should say, in the United States, uh, one of the largest slave auctions in the world was in Washington D.C. So, I mean, it is something that exists, and to pretend mm-hmm. that it doesn't exist, to pretend that the uh, that we can just laugh and sneer at it a little bit and say, well, that's from a bygone age. We're, we're all mm-hmm. we're all just fooling ourselves. Uh, we're all just fooling ourselves yeah. that evil exists, uh, hurt exists, oh, yeah. and we're all standing on the backs of people who have miserable, miserable lives. Absolutely, like nothing, and, and nothing things- is new. Yeah, nothing we've done no. is new, and nothing is in the past that you can't. There's nothing that you know doesn't still exist somewhere. And then, like I said, one more time, if you want to talk to uh, Jay Smith author of uh, The Resurrection Pack, Rise of the Monkey Lord, Seven Till Sunrise, and a lot of other good books. And call us, 646-716-9922. Guys, if you could scoot over just a little bit and open the beaded curtains once again, we have a, a guest coming in. Wait, 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 wait just a minute. This is uh, going to be... All right, come on in, tall, dark, and steampunky. <laughs> Needs to be opened a little wider. I'm oh. a big guy. I'm sorry. Here, let me move aside for you a little bit. <laughs> oh, oh, needs to be opened a little wider. I'm a big guy. What Hello. You in these cushions? What the hell? Hey, hey guys. Hey, it's your favorite poet cartoonist. Yeah, he's a cartoonist, animator, uh, author, and. Uh, <laughs> A gamer, and uh, actually, I was talking about you earlier, but you didn't know it, Peter. And uh, oh, my ears are to have you here. Oh, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and also, we're here not just with Jay Smith, but also with uh, uh, William R. Her. Well, I'm yeah, glad that everybody's. I'm glad everybody's going because I kind of got a bit of a question I wanted to drop into the middle of you all for the uh, for a discussion here. And because what caught my ear was the discussion about things like the gore books and stuff like that and how people build these fantasy lives. 
I'm wondering, where do you separate things like the virtual worlds of Second Life and stuff like that? Because I'm sure you've heard the saying that if it exists, there's porn of it on the Internet. There's people who write <laughs> slash stories for Harry Potter. They'll do mm-hmm. them with their characters. They'll do them with self-inserts and stuff like that. How much of what you're seeing do you think is the result of people not really uh, – I guess the best way to describe it is they haven't had sex yet, but they've heard really good things about it. And they haven't learned <laughs> properly that – <laughs> and they haven't learned that there's things you don't do, there's considerations, you know, what do you do if the person is a piece of, piece of, piece of trash, and so on. How much of this do you see as normal human psychology, and how much do you see as basically the result of uh, arrested development or, uninfo- uh, or just an uninformed populace just playing with their sexuality without understanding what makes it tick? Uh, I think it's a, it's a complex answer. There are a lot of people who – I think you're right. I, I interviewed some people who clearly were not guided through to maturity in terms of their their sexual identity or, or what is right and wrong in terms of consent. Um, I mean, I also have to say I grew up in the '80s, and mm-hmm. if you watch teen sex comedies in the '80s, uh, and you you decided that that was an appropriate way to deal with women, you, at some point you became on the wrong side of history. Um, fortunately for us, most of us learn to evolve, uh, but there are people out there who I think they either, they're, they're, they still feel a certain way and they go to places in order to feel as though that, that, that what they think is appropriate is appropriate. Um, I, I think that there's, there's a playground for adolescents out there. I mean, I mean, video games are designed for escape and, you know, and for amusement. So there's a, a group of people out there who just want to explore and see what feels good. Uh, a number of people in, in Second Life uh, and uh, these other games go out there to try on a different identity to see if that if what they want to be is is socially acceptable in certain situations. Um, and and some people, as Will talked about, there are people who are are submissive in nature and who want to be controlled. Uh, and a lot of them are controlling in in their real lives, and they want to escape to a world where. They don't have to have that uh, that choice. Uh, it's, I, I'm sorry. A good example of that would be the Twilight series. I mean, the much maligned yet amazingly best-selling Twilight series is all about a girl who is being controlled and only wants a boyfriend. Well, it's it's not just that she's being controlled. She's also just she has completely subjugated herself. There, one of the funniest pictures I ever saw was a person at Barnes and Noble who took a picture, mm-hmm. a sign that said, you know, if you've read Twilight, read this book next. And it's a book on overcoming codependency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, we can laugh about it, but there are people who absolutely adore the Twilight books and they're oh. well-adjusted, <laughs> nice women. I know one, for example, uh, who's just, she just loves the Twilight series, and she's a professional nurse, and she's damn good at her job, and she'll bring the hurt down on you if you don't do exactly what she says, but she loves the Twilight books. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, right. there, I mean, yes, there are people that, I mean, I have, uh, I have my odd things that I enjoy and stuff like that. I mean, for crying out loud, I'm a 47-year-old man, and I draw a comic book with mermaids. Give me a break. But I've also <laughs> seen, But I've also seen the flip side. Like, I used to have an online friend who she was so enthralled with Edward from the book. This is no kidding, because when she sent me the picture, I couldn't believe it. She had a life-size standee of Edward that she put next to her window so that the standee could watch her while she slept, like in the book. And I saw that, I'm like, that's not healthy. 
<laughs> the scene in the book alone yeah. isn't romantic. It's creepy, and now that you're actually reenacting it. You uh, you might need a you might need a little help. Can I break that down for a second? will grow out of that. Can I break that down for a second? Sure. 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 Okay. Let's let's take that 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 suggestion right there. I I always take the devil's advocate side of things. So let's take mm. that situation just for a second. Uh, she has read a, read about something, become enamored of it, and decided to implement it in her life as a bit of her fantasy, uh, as she takes steps towards making it a reality. Um, how is that different than being an author? Well, for in my mind, the difference is like, uh, okay. Here's a let's let's take this for example because I've heard about a guy online who has this. He has his bedroom styled like the like the Starship Enterprise, one of the decks, or uh, I guess the bridge or mm-hmm. something. Wasn't that big in Star Trek? Mm-hmm. But the key thing is that you know, with that, it's like okay, uh, not what I would do with my money, but then again, I'd probably do something something offbeat. You gave me a chance, I'd probably turn my room into the Batcave. But and the, those things, that's a sci-fi universe. This is specifically reenacting a part of the book that does not speak well psychologically. It would be one thing if it's just, uh, you know, styling the house like something from the adventure. But reenacting a scene that suggests, uh, that suggests obsession and psychological trauma, that's the part where I start to, where I start to feel, feel the chills. It okay, is, I, I understand is, that. It is interesting ahead, to Jay. talk about it in this way that a lot of these girls will grow out of it. And what I see is, and I have a stepdaughter of my own and watching her grow oh, up really, really you know, quick. I hate to, really quick. I hate to interrupt. She was 25. What's that? I hate to interrupt, but uh, she was 25. You know, kids oh. do goofy things. I can understand that, but this is a 25 year old woman. And it's like this, this is not exactly something I would uh, I would recommend. Well, and that, that's her choice. I mean, she's an adult, so right. I, I mean, I mean, there, there there are going to be people who who have unusual choices. I mean, this does this translate to her real life? Is she involved uh, in in real relationships that are harmful? None. She's well. In the time that I knew her, she wasn't really involved in any relationships. Uh, she was. Uh, she'd had well. Let's be polite and say and uh, say some uh, really bad experiences. And uh, I got the impression it was more like she'd kind of withdrawn from uh, socializing just out of a, as a protective measure or something. And and that's the reason why it's like a lot of her interests seem to reflect men that either were singular-minded and you know you could count on them to behave a certain way or would never hurt her. So I'm, I'm thinking it's more of a psychological projection of uh, of her own trauma from the past. Well, if I, if I could bring in a uh, if I could bring in another example, and, and again, I'm not I'm not suggesting that anything is good or bad or otherwise. Okay, I'm just mm-hmm. taking a devil's advocate approach uh, because I, I like to hear things from all sides. I ha- uh, to bring in mm-hmm. another example. I have a very good friend named Jewel. And Jewel, if you're listening, I'm not going to say anything bad about you. Um, <clears throat> Jewel. Uh, became enamored of the traveler lifestyle. Are you familiar with that? Uh, the traveler mm-hmm. lifestyle, yeah. train hopping, uh, living on the kind street. Of a uh, gypsy those, uh, kind of thing. Yeah, kind, kind of a gypsy hobo kind of thing. They call themselves the travelers or hobos. Um, 
However, she became enamored of this lifestyle, and she was working as a waitress, not getting ahead in life, and the more she thought about it, the more she just loved the idea of just getting the hell away and uh, not having any responsibilities at all, and so what if I'm poor, so what if I have nothing? And uh, you and I would likely look at that and what uh, inevitably happens, which is uh, abuse of alcohol, abuse of drugs, uh, being attacked, being robbed, the whole nine years, we would say, this is not a... This is not a healthy obsession. Well, she followed that obsession, and uh, her parents supported her in it, and they said, okay, we're going to buy you some stuff to help you be safe, and, buy, and you know, so you've at least got a tent to sleep in and things like that, and then do what you're going to do because you're an adult and we can't stop you, but, you know, we want you to be happy. And she went out, and she got married on the road, and uh, she got abused by drunks, and she got away from them, and uh, now she's lived out that portion of her life, and she's grown through it. Uh, I would say, hey, you know what? I don't agree with that, and certainly uh, I didn't agree with it when my son said that he wanted to do it, and uh, so I put him on the phone with her, and I said, hey, tell him what it's really like, okay? <laughs> but um, And he, he changed his mind really quick, but uh, at the You're same time, dad. who am I to say that this is wrong? Who am I to say this is wrong? Who am I to say that dressing like a woman when you're actually a man is wrong? It might be an unhealthy obsession. It might be just a healthy expression. I'm not the one who can say that. And that, that, that's why I, I try to take the devil's advocate uh, approach on subjects such as these, because if we can't see the other side of these issues, which may very well be psychological issues, then we can't see how it might not be a psychological issue and it might just be something that someone needs to work through for their own path in life but I, but what i'm hearing is that at the end of this journey the lesson learned was it's not a good thing to do and as a parent but you intervened with your son in order i didn't intervene with my sense. son i gave him i gave him full information and uh i gave him full well, information uh for, well not I mean, not really i, I don't see anything but did you 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 yeah. actively intervened to put him in touch with somebody who had a negative view on it, and that's that's uh, what a parent does. I mean, she, ultimately he made his own she, decision. She didn't but... really have. She didn't really. Uh, I understand what you're saying. I would say that she didn't really. Whoop. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. still here. I'm sorry. Okay, it's having like I dropped. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, I, I I understand what you're saying, and I understand the uh, the uh, distinction that you're making. Um, I would say that she's still a traveler, and uh, she's decided, you know, to, to do it on her terms rather than as a all-the-time sort of thing. Uh, and she told my son exactly what it's like and told him, listen, you're not going to get out of this without having a criminal record. There's just no way. And my son had decided that he'd rather run a business than be poor, and that's what he does now. So, I mean, I don't see it as a good or a bad thing. And, it, and my, my son inevitably mm -hmm. did get away, get away from the family, get away from his mom and dad, out from under our thumb, and did his own thing. I'm saying that just because we don't agree with it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. But, yes, you're right. I did intervene mm -hmm. in that I brought in some reality uh, uh, to talk to my son so that he would know at least what he was mm -hmm. getting into. And I, I think no, I, the idea – I'm sorry, go ahead, Perry. No, go ahead and finish without, because then we're going to have to end the show. Okay. Well, so, well, I think there's a difference. Go ahead. And, actively into a relationship, uh, with a lifestyle that, that is going to have consequences 
versus uh, a fantasy. I think as long as the individual has the, the ability, the power to distinguish what is is constructive and what is destructive, and sometimes that's, I mean, that's the biggest gray line, and that's what makes us susceptible to uh, cult behavior or being lured into a system where you voluntarily or involuntarily surrender your free will to someone in order to collect whatever it is you think you're missing in life. Mm-hmm. Which brings us back to the whole point of Resurrection Pact and the Cult of Eternus. All right, and I'm going to have to stop. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and that's where uh, uh, we're going to the, the Cult of Eternus and Resurrection Pact by my guest, Jay Smith. And I've been so glad to have William R. Hur and my friend Peter G., who also writes for Bleeding Cool, if you read that. Um, glad to have you guys here. Hope you'll be back very soon. Uh, Myth. Real quick. Ask you more things to say before we leave. Real quick. Real quick. You sorry, what? Real. Sorry. Real quick, Jay. How can we join the cult of Jay? JaySmithAudio.com. That's uh, where I was going. Yeah. JaySmithAudio.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to his. Uh, let me just list some stuff again. And uh, thank you, Will. That's a very important thing we got to do. Before we go, let me say, too, if you need to have your books, you know, people can't buy your books until they know about them. And if you can't afford a publicist, get my book, sell your books today. Right now it's 99 cents on Smashwords. Yes, I am a professional entertainment publicist. 99 cents. I'll teach you some secrets from the trade. Also, uh, this. Hey, guys, guess what I'm doing Thursday night? What? What? Okay, I've already told you one thing I've ever told people, but this Thursday night I've got an overnight shoot working on a Haunting of Hill House. Ooh, nice. And it's a funeral uh, business convention, so I'm pretty psyched about that. <laughs> Last week I worked wow. on a faux um, a faux documentary, and so this is haunting a hill house. Very excited about that. But anyway, I guess I'm sorry. I just, you you said I'm, I'm psyched about going to a funeral convention. <laughs> Are you going to get EVPs? Are you going to get EVPs? Oh, I don't uh, it's, know. Uh, using a, it's using Re- recording to uh, get ghost voices. I'm sorry. It's using static it's you- ghost voices. Uh, Sorry about that. My dog barked serious. in the background. Oh, uh, oh, I thought it was a cockfight. Okay. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> no, we're, this is supposed to be a very serious thing, not spooky. And um, so the oh, lucky okay. I haven't learned how to spell my voice yet. But um, Jay Smith, I think he coined the term geek noir. So check him out for HG World. Check out his books. I'm going to read off the titles. Diary of Jill Woodbine, uh, Hidden Harbor Mysteries, The Resurrection Pact. Jay Smith has his spine of his book painted on a bookstore, on the outside of a bookstore wall. Harlan Ellison said, from what I've read of Jay Smith, he's either a great scam man liar or a born writer. And uh, <laughs> William R. Her, author, says Jay has written a book. This is talking about uh, Diary of Jill Woodbine. Jay has written a book which takes the reader an emotional slugfest and leaves them ready for more. So check them out. Hidden Harbor Mysteries, uh, Resurrection Pack, uh, Seven Before Sunrise. Um, Jay, I'm so proud of you. And if they didn't love you enough, Jay Smith, you did one more thing that I found that a few weeks ago that just made me love you even more. The playlist on jsmithaudio.com 
has Stranger in a Strange Land by Leon Russell. So, folks, get to get to Jay Smith's audio and get his books. And remember, I'm Madam Perry. I love you. And everybody's got to swing. Good night, Jay. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.